Welcome to Slay Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, in many ways, year after year, we all fall for the feeling of Christmas, don't we? And I mean, what's not to love about Christmas, really, when we think about it? It's a great time of year. I don't know about you, but Christmas is one of my favorite seasons. I love almost everything there is to love about Christmas. I love the Christmas songs. I love the Christmas decorations. I love Christmas dinners, Christmas parties. I love Christmas movies, uh, except for Hallmark movies. Those are not of the Lord, okay? I'll just put that out there. Praise God. I love Christmas. I love the feeling. I love the hustle and bustle of it all. I think it's just an incredible, amazing time of the year. But so often, we can get caught up in all of that part of Christmas, and we're left feeling like, wait a minute, is this all there is? We come to December 26th, and we think, is that it? And very often, our perception can get clouded by all of these other things, although great, although fun, although wonderful, at the end of the day, a little bit superficial find ourselves asking, wait a minute, there's got to be more to Christmas than this. And I want to encourage you today that there is a deeper meaning of what Christmas is. You know, whoever you are, whether you currently are in the greatest Christmas season of your entire life, and things are going amazing, or whether you're here today and maybe Christmas season for you, maybe you're facing a crisis. Maybe it's a, a crisis at home. Maybe it's a crisis at work. Maybe it's a crisis with your health or Maybe you're just a little bit discouraged by the daily pressures of life. Whatever it is that might be going on in your life, I want to encourage you and remind you today that Christmas comes both as a proclamation and a promise of good news and great joy for all people. The Christmas message is relevant. It's revolutionary. It's reassuring to us today, whoever you are, wherever you might find yourself. And it can meet you right where you're at if you're willing to perceive it and receive it. Think of the shepherds that night just outside of Bethlehem just over 2,000 years ago. They were going about their daily business. They were tending their flocks of sheep when all of a sudden an angel appeared to them and he communicated this Christmas proclamation that rings as true for us today as it did back then. He said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people read that the shepherds were terrified. The angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Older translations of scripture say, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news. I love that word behold. You know, quite literally translating the Greek, this word behold can mean to perceive. 
I wonder what is it that you are perceiving this Christmas season in your life? Uh, what is it that you're holding in your mind? What is it that you're worried about? What is it that you're anxious about? What is it that's causing you stress? Is it the parties you need to host? Is it the Christmas shopping you need to do? Is it the endless to-do list? Is it What is it that's going on in your life? What is that that's trying to hold you back this year? What might it be? I love that the angel is saying, don't be fearing, be perceiving. I'm bringing you good news. What is that good news to which we must set our gaze this Christmas season? It's this, a Savior is born. Jesus has come, and this changes everything. In 1961, the Russians put the first man into space. His name was Yuri Gagarin. And at the time, uh, the Russian premier named Nikita Khrushchev, he said that when this cosmonaut went to space, he noted that he discovered there was no God there. In response, C.S. Lewis wrote an article called The Seeing Eye. And in it, he said that if there is a God who created us, we could not discover him simply by going further out into space. Instead, he said that God would not relate to us the way that a person on a second floor of a building would relate to the person on the first floor. But instead, he said that God would relate to us the way that Shakespeare relates to Hamlet. See, Shakespeare created Hamlet's world. Shakespeare created Hamlet, and the only way for Hamlet to know anything about Shakespeare is if Shakespeare would reveal information, write information about himself into the play. And so, too, it is with us and God. The only way we can know about God is if God chooses to reveal himself to us. And one of the great promises of the Christmas season, it goes even beyond that because God does not just merely write us information about himself, but he wrote himself into the drama of history that is still unfolding to this day. Good news, great joy for all people. I love this promise. I love these three statements, and I love what it means for us today. First, we have the good news. Notice that the angel brings good news. Isn't good news just a breath of fresh air to us? You know, in our world of a 24-hour news cycle and sensationalistic headlines and clickbait articles and all of these kinds of things, we crave and we yearn for good news. We love celebrating with people, a young couple that gets engaged. We celebrate that. We love celebrating with a, a birth announcement or somebody gets a new job. We love celebrating. I remember when my Swedish wife, Victoria, got her permanent residency. She could stay in Canada and be here. We got so excited. We celebrated. We danced around the kitchen. We, we, we were celebrating. We were telling everybody we knew because that's what good news causes you to do. And here's this angel coming with good news. But maybe you're here today and maybe over this past week, Maybe over this past month, maybe over this past year, you've actually received some bad news in your life. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's been a rejection. Maybe it's been some heartache or some heartbreak that you've had to deal with in your life. Today, I want to encourage you to allow the good news of Christmas to build you up spiritually from the inside out. Because the truth of Jesus is good news. But hear this, the promise of Christmas is good news. It's not just good advice. See, there's a difference between good news and good advice. And good advice is a suggestion about what you should do. But good news is a report about what's already been done. Good advice urges you to make something happen. 
good news urges you to realize that something has already happened and you need to respond to it. Good advice says it's all up to you to act. Good news says that somebody else has already acted. Imagine a town that uh, is about to be invaded by an army. An army's marching towards this town and they're about to take it over. What that town needs at that moment is actually some military advisors to offer up advice as to how to best defend themselves. But suppose for a moment that this army that was marching was intercepted by a great king and they were defeated. What that town now needs is not advice or military advisors. What that town now needs is messengers to tell them the good news that the enemy has been defeated. And I think that this is an incredible thing. It's the same thing with us. One thing that I love is that the Greek word for messengers is angelos, which is where we get the word angels. See, these angels, they come and they bring the good news. It means we can stop fleeing, stop hiding behind walls, stop trying to fortify ourselves, stop trying to save ourselves, stop worrying, stop being anxious, stop feeling the pressure to be something that we're not, stop carrying the shame and the guilt over what was or was not done to us. The King has saved you. Something has been done and this changes everything except receive this good news. The promise of Christmas is not telling us what we should do, but it's telling us what God has done. It means we get to live our lives not working for victory, but we get to receive the good news and live from victory. And of course, we see that the angels continue. And they say, I bring you good news, and this good news will cause great joy. You know, I love the Gospel of Matthew. The book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, which is a part of the Bible that looks back on the life of Jesus. And Matthew starts his account of teaching uh, about the birth of Jesus by doing something that we might find a little strange today. He offers up a genealogy, a family tree, a family history of Jesus' life, and it goes back thousands of years. We wonder, what's, what's going on here? We see that it took a long time, thousands of years, for Jesus to come. Christmas reminds us and causes us great joy because of it, reminds us that although God may seem to be taking his time, he always keeps his word. He may seem to be working very slowly in your life, but that we need to remember that God doesn't always operate on the schedule that we would find most convenient. In fact, sometimes we feel like God forgets his promises to us. We're coming to the end of 2019, perhaps at the beginning of this year. You were praying and believing God that you would be married by the end of this year. You were praying for a spouse, and that still hasn't come. Maybe you've been praying for that, that job for ages and ages, but it hasn't happened. And you're saying, God, where are you? And maybe you're here and you've been, having a tr you've been trying to have a baby, but nothing has been working and it hasn't happened. And you're saying, God, when are you going to show up in my situation? But we need to remember that God's delays are not necessarily denials. For thousands of years, the Israelites waited for a savior. They waited and anticipated the Messiah. Thousands of years, would he ever come? When will he show up? But then suddenly in an instant, God bursts forth onto the scene of our world. But he comes in a way that we couldn't even imagine. A divine king born, not in a palace, not in a castle, but as a baby in a manger. He confounded all expectations. And Christmas reminds us that God is working out his purpose and he will fulfill his promise. Christmas means, as the old saying goes, that though the mills of God grind slowly, 
they grind exceedingly fine. Whoever you are today, wherever you stand with God, whether you're close to God, whether you feel far from God, whether you believe in Him, whether you don't, whether at one point in time you did, but now you just feel like you have drifted away from that, I want you to know today that God has not forgotten you. He sees you. He loves you. He cares about you. He came into this world to save you, and he is able to do more in your life than you dare ask or imagine this Christmas season. Matthew ends this long family tree of Jesus by putting some real emphasis into the numbers. We see in Matthew 1.17, he talks about the fact that there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, and 14 generations from David to the exile, and 14 generations from the exile to Jesus. We have here six groups of seven generations, and Jesus is born ushering in the seventh seven. It's like, what's going on here? We read this and Sometimes it's lost on us in our culture and modern society today as to what's going on, but the Jewish audience that Matthew was writing to would have been able to pick this up. See, in the Bible, the number seven is highly significant. We see in Genesis that on the seventh day, Jesus rested from creation. The Sabbath day, it represents rest. In the Mosaic Law, we saw that every seven years, farmers would let their fields lie fallow. They would replenish and refresh themselves. It represented rest. And finally, we see in Leviticus 25 that every 49th year, the seventh seven was the year of Jubilee. It was the year when slaves were set free, when all debts were paid. It was covered. They were forgiven. It represented rest. It represented rejuvenation. It represented life. And here we have Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He is born ushering in the seventh seven. Jesus comes to set people free, to cancel the debt of our sin to give rest for our weariness, to take the burden of our life from our shoulders, and to cause us great joy. This is good news for us. In Jesus, you don't have to try and prove yourself. You just need to accept the free gift of his salvation. You are accepted. You're loved by him in spite of your failures. This is reason for celebration. This is the good news. This is great joy for us today. And of course, we see that this great joy is for all people. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't just come for some people. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't just come for perfect people. But Jesus came for people in church, for people away from church. The promise of Christmas applies to us all. If we look back at the genealogy that Matthew gives of Jesus once more, you know, in today's world, the genealogy is just like a fun thing that we might do. We go on Ancestry.ca. We try and find out who we're related to. It's a really fun thing. Um, you know, perhaps if you attend Slate Church Elmira, you do this to make sure the person that you want to date isn't your cousin, right? And uh, <laughs> it's just a fun thing for us today. But in the time of Jesus... Your genealogy was your resume. It communicated to the world who you were. It was your pedigree. It showed people where you belonged. And much like us with resumes today, people would mess with and tinker with their genealogy to try and get it just right and to try and perfect it and make it nice. And so, you know, if great uncle Ricky, who was a traveling carnival clown, uh, he might not make it into the genealogy, right? Come on, there's one in every family, okay? 
If you don't know who it is in yours, it's probably you. Okay, I just want to tell you. But here we have the genealogy of Jesus, and it doesn't leave anybody out. It's not curated, and it's not trying to be perfect. You see, right away we notice that there's five women included in the genealogy of Jesus. That's normal for us today. But at this time, culturally, women didn't have a voice. They were gender outsiders, but they're included in the family of Jesus. There were also Canaanites and Moabites listed as being in the genealogy of Jesus. To Jews, these people would have been racial outsiders, but they're included in Jesus' genealogy. One of these women was Rahab, not only a woman, not only a Canaanite, but she was also a prostitute. Yet she's included in the genealogy in the family of Jesus. We see that King David was included. It's like, okay, yeah, this makes sense to have David included. Royalty. How awesome is that? He defeated Goliath. This is someone that I want to be related to. But of course, in one of the greatest ironic understatements in all of Scripture, Matthew writes that David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. You see, Uriah was one of David's mighty men. He put his life on the line to protect David time and time again. Then one day, David saw Uriah's wife Bathsheba, and he desired her, and he had an affair with her, and he had Uriah killed and so that he could marry her. And out of that messy, terrible, uh, difficult situation was born Solomon, from whom Jesus is descended. Here we have David, a moral outsider yet included in the family of Jesus. It's amazing how this shows us that even people who are excluded by culture and society today can and are included in Jesus' family. Even people who historically have been excluded by the church can be accepted and brought into God's family. This is good news of great joy for all people, male and female, prostitute and king, one race and another, moral and immoral, all sit down as equals in front of a baby born in a manger, sinful and lost, but accepted and loved and redeemed. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, if you repent and believe in Jesus, the grace of Christ can cover your sin and make you as pure as snow. This is good news, which causes great joy for all people. This is the promise and the proclamation of Christmas, and it culminates in hope for humanity. Understand this, this Christmas season, as you go about the busyness of it and shopping, the parties, all of these things. Remember this, that hope has a name. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And there's power in the name of Jesus. Just last week, my mother-in-law, who's a pastor in Sweden, was going to a grocery store there. And you know, it's, it's easy to be a Christian in church. If you want to have your faith tested, go to the grocery store at Christmas time, okay? I'm speaking from experience here. She showed up to the grocery store, and as she was walking in, she noticed a Salvation Army officer who was collecting money for at the front of the doors. And she stopped and started talking to this person. As they were talking, uh, all of a sudden in the parking lot, there was a black car that was backing out of a space, and they didn't see that there was this white car coming flying down the aisle, and the black car was backing out, and all of a sudden these two cars almost crashed into one another. They both hit the brakes, they slammed them on, and then all of a sudden they, 
they jumped out of the car and the man who had almost gotten hit who was driving the white car he was irate he was furious he was freaking out he was yelling at the top of his lungs he got in the face of this poor elderly gentleman who was apologizing profusely for what he had almost just done but his apology was not accepted it caused a whole scene everybody in the parking lot was seeing everybody saw what happened it was it got tense it got heated in that moment finally the angry man jumped back in his car and drove to the front of the parking lot and parked it there got out and he stormed off into the grocery store leaving his wife and his three kids in the car and they were upset they were crying they were embarrassed they were a little scared about their dad's reaction to what had just happened my mother-in-law walked over to the car and she knocked on the window and the woman crying rolled down the window and my mother-in-law asked if she was okay she said she was okay then amazingly uh, not knowing she was speaking to a pastor and kind of with a smirk on her face half joking she said I wonder if you could pray for my husband you know it's been difficult he's got a terrible temper he deals with anger and it's really been hard on us our relationship it's been hard on our family so right then and there my mother-in-law was able to pray for them Lord help this man help him control his temper in Jesus name we pray there's power in the name of Jesus because a moment later this man came walking out of the storm and he came up to them in the middle of the scene that was going on he came up to his wife my mother-in-law was standing there and the man said I can't explain it the craziest thing just happened to me in that storm I don't know what it is I don't know what just came over me but I just had a realization that I need to change I need to work on my temper I need to work on my anger it's been hurting us it's been hurting our family I'm sorry I want to change my mother-in-law was able to invite them out to church for the whole Christmas season and it's an incredible example of the power that exists in the name of Jesus hope has a name Jesus Christ Emmanuel God with us he is with you this Christmas season and for us this is the good news he is our great joy and he is for all if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed across this whole room, just out of respect for one another. Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.